Welcome back again to another episode of our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 92. My name is Stephanie. My name is Leon. And we have a new month approaching us in August. Mm hmm. Summer true. halfway through? Kinda. Did you get any gaming in? Uh, naturally. I know, I, movies, games. I know you've been busy. <laughs> yeah, it's the usual mix. Yeah. Totally. I totally got uh, another classic game done this week. Something that I've been meaning to play. Classics. And, okay. Yeah, you could call it a classic. Really? It's, if it's uh, 18 years old, does that count as a classic? I, when I hear classic, I think of something that is fondly remembered. Okay. <laughs> well, perhaps this is not so fondly this remembered. Might, I, this might be vintage, maybe. Or, or even remembered at all. Okay. But I'm sure some people will remember it. Now, you know I love twin stick shooters, right? You do. And As do I. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. It's a totally fun play style. And, you know, I generally like 3D platformers, too. Okay. So, this game is kind of a combination of those two things. Mm. And I'm talking about a game called Apocalypse. Nothing to do with the X-Men. X-Men, right. (laughs) (laughs) But this was a game that came out on the original PlayStation back in November of 1998. It was released by Activision, and it was developed by a studio called Neversoft. And the interesting thing about this is that it also features the voice and likeness of Bruce Willis Mm -hmm. as the lead character in the game. Yippee-i-o-ki-a or something. (laughs) Does he say that? He doesn't actually say that. Because he did the voice for Die Hard Trilogy, which was, well, obviously based on the movie Mm -hmm. that he stars in, but he has those, a lot of voices in that game, and that was on PlayStation 1 as well, right? PlayStation, Saturn. Yeah. 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 But this is kind of unrelated to all of that. Yeah. Um, and this isn't Die Hard Apocalypse? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it might as well be, because you do play as like kind of an action hero type of a role. It's kind of the typical thing that Bruce Willis was known for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so as you might imagine, this does use the analog sticks on the PlayStation controller. Luckily mm-hmm. enough, it was late enough in the PlayStation's life cycle that those controls were available. Um, although it does also support the use of just the digital mode the, the you know the d-pad and the face buttons to move and fire at the same time but why would you want to do that it doesn't make sense no you might as well use those sure uh the shoulder buttons are also used for weapon selection for jumping and crouching and also for the smart bomb move that you get in the game uh so i'll tell you a little bit about the weapons you have available in this game mm-hmm You've got your basic machine gun, which has unlimited ammo. You can use that to fire all the time. And that's pretty much your weapon when you don't have one of the other special weapons that you pick up. Everything else that you pick up has, like, an ammo meter on it, so it's not unlimited use. Uh, one of the first things you get is something called a particle beam, which is something like uh, just a continuous uh, laser beam that fires in all directions. Um, you've got a flamethrower. You've got homing missiles. And he's able to carry this on his body at all times? He's able to carry all of these, and as long as he's got ammo for it, you can switch to it. Okay. You've got your choice. I mean, you pick it up, and it automatically switches to that weapon. But if you don't want to use it for now, you can put it away and switch back to your machine gun or one of the other ones you've got, too. So I mentioned homing missiles. You've also got something called a rip laser, which is sort of like a lightning gun. It kind of just 
locks onto your target and then it keeps hitting the target as you're as long as you're close enough to it. It's kind of fairly short range though. And then something called a pulse laser, which fires like these green bolts of laser fire. Um, a lot of these weapons do seem to be kind of auto hitting. Like as long as you're sort of firing in the general direction of what you want to hit, it'll sort of track to that target. You know, so it's pretty generous. I'd say so. I mean, in terms of aiming, you can you get you get a lot of free easy hits, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it really depends on the range of the weapon. Like sometimes you're just too far away and it's not going to hit. So as long as you get close enough, you're generally good. Um, rockets are also available, but those are pretty much fire and forget. Those don't have any kind of homing ability. They're pretty strong though, so you just have to make sure you aim right, and then they'll they'll blow up and they'll go pretty far too. And you've also got grenades, which you can throw, you can which you can use as a weapon. So it's almost like it lobs the grenade in an arc mm-hmm. towards a target. Um, so I played this game on normal difficulty. It was available easy and hard was also available, but I figured let me just stick to the default. <laughs> Figured why not? Uh, but one thing notable about the game is there's no control over the camera, so it kind of mm. follows your character around. But it auto rotates around the stage depending on what part of the, you know, what part of the stage you're on. So that's both good and bad. <laughs> I'll say that much. I think uh, if I remember, it's been a while since I played this game, but I think Contra: Legacy of War maybe mm-hmm. was similar to that. I would say there's a lot of kind of um, a lot of similarities in the way the, that game plays mm. and, and this one, at least in in the look and feel of it. Yeah, you know, this one's a little. Um, a little easier, I guess, but there's, there's definitely this, a similar vibe. Okay. And the game also, you know, frequently drops health packs as you're playing. So sometimes you get 20%, sometimes you get 50%, sometimes you get a hundred percent. So you might go through a really hard part of the game and you, you're left with like a sliver of health and then a hundred percent health pack drops and then you're back to max again. Um, so it's pretty easy to just keep rolling ahead. You don't have to really worry about it too much. Mm. I don't know if that's uh, a function of the difficulty that I played on too. Like maybe if you played on hard, the game oh, would be a would little, drop as many. maybe uh-huh. it would be a little stingier on, on the health upgrades. Uh, so there is a bit of a story set up for the game. It's a bit thin in terms of how much information they really give you, but, <laughs> but it starts off with this FMV where this mysterious reverend character is performing some kind of ritual. He claims to be, like, blending science and sorcery together <laughs> for his evil plan. And he's creating the four horsemen of the apocalypse, hence the name of the game, pretty much. He wants to bring about the apocalypse on okay. Earth. And he names them Death, Plague, War, and Beast. <laughs> now... I always thought the four horsemen were death, uh, pestilence, mm. war, and famine. Okay. Now, pestilence and plague, I guess you can sort of lump those together. Uh, but beast, that's a new one. I never heard of that. I guess I guess famine didn't sound... Like, I don't know. I guess they didn't know how to do famine I, I as an enemy. Was, mm, maybe. I, I, I was thinking Ric Flair, Arn Anderson. <laughs> uh, who else was in there? Was it Tully Blanchard? I don't know. When you say four horsemen, that's what I think of. Okay. Well, I'm... I should probably brush up on my history, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. My Bible studies, I don't know. Well, there was no 
there was no wrestling license involved in the making of this game, so those were going to be out. So this uh, this reverend character also says something about his oldest student knowing something about his plan and that he has to keep him out of it. So that's where your character comes in. I think he's referring to the character that Bruce Willis is playing in the game. Is Bruce Willis in the full motion video intermissions? Well, they're not live action. They're they're CG rendered. Oh. So it's like CG video uh-huh. playing as FMV. Okay. Yeah. But his, you know, his rough likeness is there mm-hmm. and his yeah. vo- and his voice is there. Uh so the scene then cuts over to the Paradise Island prison facility where, you know, Bruce is getting dragged into a prison cell. And somehow another prisoner is there and he's making some threatening, you know, kind of noises. And he pretty much just blows him away on the spot. Somehow he's in the prison, but he's got a weapon. (laughs) And then he goes over and like materializes an even bigger weapon. Apparently he's some kind of like scientist guy in this. And he's got, he's mastered the use of nanotechnology. So he can kind of produce weapons out of thin air practically. I Mm. guess, I guess they exist in like some kind of shrunken form and then he can kind of bring them, he can just summon them up to use whenever he needs them. Uh, Overall, the story is just not very coherent. It's just sort of just an excuse to blow stuff up. (laughs) So that's pretty much where you're... Does he really need an excuse? No, not really. (laughs) So it starts off in the prison. There's a bunch of guards around. You know, those are generally the enemies that you have to fight. Very generic looking prison guard type guys. Um, There's a segment where I have to avoid these searchlights on the ground. So the camera switches to like kind of an overhead view. And there's like a lot of spotlights Mm. going across the ground. And you have to kind of avoid being, you know, caught in the the searchlight. Uh, I get shot completely to pieces if I stop. Uh, you know, and a guard shouts halt. And those are all just like insta hit weapons. Um, if the guards in the game had the kind of weapons that are used by the searchlights, the game would be over really fast. Mm -hmm. But luckily that's the only time you have to deal with anything like that. There's uh, another room where these wild inmates come out of prison cells. Like, you know, like the room closes off and you're surrounded by all these guys who are trying to beat you with clubs and stuff. And, um, there's another section where there's like a corridor with like laser traps and then, you know, a bunch of guards come out if you trip the, the lasers. I mean, you can, hu- you can jump over them and avoid triggering that. Oh, so you can jump too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a jump ability in this mm-hmm. game, which is what makes, you know, which is why I compare it to like a 3d platformer as well. Okay. So you've got the, the twin stick shooting action, but then you've also got the ability to kind of hop around mm-hmm. the environment and climb up, you know, areas and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's interesting, kind of a hybrid, I think. Uh, so there's, you know, different, there's a lot of, uh, hidden stuff, not really hidden, but let's say alternate paths, like harder, like harder little things that you can try to navigate to earn like an extra life or something like that. Um, and pretty much the stage ends with like a battle in an arena with like a giant tank that has both a flamethrower weapon and a missile launcher. Uh, but again, the game is dropping tons of weapon upgrades, so it's pretty easy to to get something that can blow up uh, the tank weapon, you know, and like <laughs> without too much effort. So then you get a little FMV intermission at the end of the stage, and every stage ends with that. Basically, it cuts back to the video and and shows you like some kind of transitional scene where he leaves wherever he's he's at now and then goes on to the next thing. 
So in this case, he escapes the prison facility on like a hover bike, but I don't know what happens. Something explodes and then he ends up landing in the sewers. (laughs) Uh, so in the sewers, you've got these bomb-throwing hillbillies to worry about. <laughs> Did they ever say what his name was, the character? Yeah, his name is actually Trey Kincaid, which is a very typical kind of action hero sort of a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, right, there's like, so you're, you're working your way through these sewers, very green water for whatever reason. Uh, there's swarms of bats down here, too. And, um, eventually you end up in like a giant cavern. I guess the sewers don't last too long. And there's a lot of platform that has to happen here, avoiding falling rocks and hopping like onto different like rock formations. Um, eventually there's like a lava tube that you have to end up in and, uh, there's giant rats and I don't know, a large pentagram is encountered down here. So I don't know if this is the work of the Reverend that's causing all of these want to make sure you know, yeah, this is evil stuff going on. Yeah, I guess Lava so. tubes and pentagrams. <laughs> At the end, there's like a giant alligator to, to fight with. Or maybe it's a crocodile. I never, I can never tell the if there's difference. one thing that's going to survive the apocalypse, it's going to be mm-hmm. alligators and yeah, crocodiles. He's, <laughs> he's in a giant pool, and there's all, all the other minions are jumping in and causing you know mayhem as well. And, uh, again, that one's not too hard to beat. Merges from the sewers into, like, some kind of shower. Like, he's in, like, some kind of shower room or something. You hear shrieks, I guess, from people taking a shower. I think this girl's in there. And he says, like, uh, nice polygons. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, his okay. little, it's his little wisecrack comment. Sure, I'm sure that makes sense, right? Uh-huh. Characters will get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, uh... He, you know, overhears, like, um, a, a news report, which makes reference to his character... Uh, you know, it, basically the, the news reporter is saying that there's a renegade scientist on the loose, you know, uh, and, you know, be a lookout for him. He's a wanted man. He's dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so now you're in a city of some kind and, you know, the mayhem is now uh, out on the city streets. The soldiers and mini tanks showing up to respond. Uh, many of the soldiers will yell like my arm when, you know, they get hit. <laughs> right. But meanwhile, mm-hmm. Their heads are popping off, their bodies are exploding, and all the guy does is yell as my arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of inappropriate. Uh, they'll also say, like, don't shoot, I've got a wife and kids. You know, wow. as, as if as if that stops anyone. <laughs> uh, the other curious thing that happens is, you do see, like, because I'm in the city, there's, like, large billboards in various spots, and there's, like, uh, one one over, like, a movie theater... And there's, like, music videos playing on the billboards. So this was, like, a fancy feature at the time. You know, this was one of the things that the PlayStation was, you know, kind of, um, you know, it was meant to be an advanced feature. Like, you can use a, a video as a texture over a polygon, you know. Mm. So naturally, what do you do? You use it as, like, a giant movie screen or something like that in the game. So I see, like, a, a music video by Poe. Um, I think System of a Down is also in this oh, wow. in this game. It, but is it the music in the game or? Yeah, there's music. This background music. Oh, is it from like? Is there a System of a Down music or? Uh, yeah, I, one of their songs is used oh, okay. in the game, and I don't know if anything was done specifically for the game. I think these were just existing that, songs. That's such a CD technology. Like we're learning how to make games using like all this right. extra. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. <laughs> uh, once you get past this little movie theater thing, there's a section where 
he's kind of riding on top of these flying taxi cabs, and that totally made me think of Fifth Element too. Yeah, really. Also starring Bruce Willis. Huh. <laughs> probably around the same time. No, that was seems like know, it. Maybe. late nineties. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, now, for some reason, lava pits are also opening up in the city, and the end battle is with kind of all the army forces all in one place. Um, another, you know, generally, the army seems to be the enemy on this stage. But this leads to kind of the first boss encounter with one of the four horsemen, and the first one you've got to deal with is death. And the little video intro before you see him is... Uh, your character, uh, Trey, says, Larry, I thought you were dead. And, you know, he responds, oh, yeah, I am. You know, because <laughs> he becomes death. He becomes, okay. like, he, like, morphs from a human appearance to, to, like, a giant, kind of a giant skeleton. And, you know, you would think death would be a bigger deal. But, you know, I guess he's the first guy you got to take out. So he's this big, giant, glowing skeleton. He's got this big scythe, and he keeps saying, "Don't fear the reaper." He's making all the obvious jokes that you would, you know, expect to hear. Summons a bunch of zombies to swarm toward me, and then part of the stage collapses, and I'm forced to move closer to him. And honestly, the the fight was just no problem at all. I mean, kept getting I kept getting weapon upgrades, refilling my ammo. So beat him, no problem. Mm-hmm. You move on to the city rooftops now. Uh, a reactor blows up for some reason and I'm now being chased over these buildings and some of the soldiers that continue to chase after me have jetpacks now a lot of zip lining goes on here and a lot of like collapsed walkways to walk out over especially with the final boss who's like this giant tank helicopter hybrid so it's like a tank but it's got like helicopter blades on it and it can fly around um, a few more music videos are playing, for, <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, you even, you even squeeze that in there. Sure. Even though the city's collapsing, we gotta, I, I wonder if Neversoft had something to do with that. In what way? Well, well, they went on to do the Tony Hawk series, That's right. which, you know, kind of has a musical influence mm-hmm. yeah. to the game. And then they also worked on rock bands later on too. Mm-hmm. Well, Guitar Hero, one of them. Right. Yeah. Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero. Okay. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, Maybe that's just their interest. It could be. This was very early on in their career, though. Yeah. This was kind of like one of their... Well, basically, Activision had contracted them to do this game. Mm -hmm. So, they were, like, on shaky ground when they got to do this game. And this kind of put them on the map. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, It's possible, though. Who knows? Hmm. Maybe there's some preferences that led to that. Uh, So, now, like, you see a kind of this video play of like the president of the USA comes on TV and blames uh, Kincaid for the death of the Reverend somehow. And I, I don't know. I, you're not even, sh- you're not even sure that this happened, but maybe this is something that was made up, but mm-hmm. like there was no, there was no reason for this to, to be brought up, but I guess, you know, maybe the Reverend goes into hiding and they kind of using this as a cover story to go after him. Uh, so he says, all right, everybody's looking for me. I'm going to have to go lay low somewhere. So he goes and visits his ex who's named Mary. And he mentions that she was crazy enough to put a club in the middle of a cemetery. So that's where he heads to, you know, meet up with her. And so this leads into the graveyard, which is the next stage, which is infested with like zombies and bats. And there's these guys who throw like bombs continuously um, there's werewolves, pretty much what you would expect. 
there's some really annoying platforming with you know you you you've played these games where you sort of have to jump on a platform but the platform rotates so that it kind of you kind of fall off of it if yes. it rotates yeah yeah mm-hmm. so there's a lot of time jumping that has to be done here um this eventually leads to a tunnel where these coffins burst out of the ground and more enemies continue to swarm hmm. towards me uh, but this leads up to the kind of the final stage of the graveyard, which is this giant doorway in like kind of like a large mansion where like what I have to do is I have to go up to the door and ring, ring the bell of the door of the, like the mansion. <laughs> and like these, 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 these teeth open up on the doorway and I have to try to like jump through them before they close. But meanwhile, there's swarms of enemies that come out as soon as every time I press the doorbell and it, I took several tries. I just couldn't figure out what the timing was mm-hmm. because it seems like I would try to get, I would get close to the door, but there wasn't enough room for me to pass through it. And then the door would just shut again. Hmm. So I don't really understand what it took for me to finally be able to get through. It just kind of stayed open long enough for me to just kind of squeeze through the teeth before they shut down again. I think maybe it was a little glitch or something. I, I don't know. It just wasn't explained very well. Hmm. Like, I don't know if it had to something to do with the number of enemies I was trying to kill while... While I was pressing it, it's not it's not too clear, but it just definitely was annoying. Um, but then I do get to meet Mary, who actually is named Mary Magdalene, naturally, who is also voiced by Poe, the singer, <laughs> who has oh, really? music in the game. And she turns out to be the next boss in the game. So she plays uh, Plague. Uh, she becomes uh-huh. like this Plague character. And actually, this stage is pretty cool. Uh, and I do mean uh, a stage, literally, because it's like, because she's like a performer. She's like, she's got a band. And it, the whole thing takes place on like a sound, like a music stage. There's a giant stack of amps in the back against the wall and a huge disco ball above. <laughs> During the fight, the disco ball will drop down and it'll start firing lasers as it spins. So you have to jump over the laser shots. While continuing, you know, while she continues to attack, um, she's like attacking with like what look like sound waves, right? So she'll jump mm-hmm. down and like fire this like shotgun effect, and it's supposed to be like I think sound coming towards me. Mm-hmm. And it's a little tough to kind of shoot at her while trying to avoid the lasers and stuff, but it's still kind of manageable. Eventually, I have to join her on stage, and then she gets like really large and she starts to crawl towards me. And she leaves this green slime trail behind as she's crawling, I guess, because she's like plague. It's like maybe some kind of like, you know, I don't know. It's like disease trail or something. So naturally you have to avoid that too. And after defeating her, the video cuts to some kind of weapons dealer in a factory. And that's like the next destination. Again, it's like very abrupt cuts, Mm -hmm. not really explained too much like what it all means in terms of the actual story. But now this area is called the war factory. And this one is generally a lot of long winding tunnels. There's a lot of energy gates to work through. Um, a lot of sliding walls, like, you know, like barriers that come in the middle of, um, while I'm jumping, like I'm trying to jump over these gaps and then these walls kind of try to slam into you. Um, naturally a lot of like ED-209 looking like loader bots. This seems to be like, if you're going to create a killer robot in a game, yeah, make- you want to look like ED-209 <laughs> from Robocop. That's like the most obvious thing. Uh, now this stage had a lot of like platforming and climbing and stuff. There's a lot of rooms that 
I had to get I had to get on like these elevator pads that connect to other pads with the right timing. Um, meanwhile, the camera is like rotating, trying to keep up with the way you're supposed to move. Like like there's times where it's like looking down from above. It's like kind of scaling, you know, along with you from the side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's annoying because as the camera shifts, your controls kind of shift with the camera. So you might be pressing forward to like move into the screen, but then the camera moves. So now that forward movement translates into oh, wow. like a new direction. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of slide your, your controls to match the angle that the camera is moving at. So that's a little, a little challenging. Um, there's a really tough segment where there's like these hovering crates that pass through energy barriers. And then meanwhile, there's like robots firing at me at the same time. So I made heavy use of the smart bombs during this segment to kind of just clear the screen of all enemies. Um, there's another, another room with floating uh, platforms over a pool of molten iron. And definitely some of these rooms, like, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie called Cube. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, it, like, definitely feels like that. Like, you're in some kind of weird environment where there's just, like, these floating cubes and, like, shifting around and mm-hmm. doors opening, doors closing. Okay. Very challenging. Um, but once I clear this this whole stage, of course, since it's called the War Factory, I now have to face War, <laughs> who's the next horseman. Um this one is kind of different from the other ones. Uh, he carries his blue sword, and he has a giant gun in the place of his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So this guy seems like he's ready for war. Right? Now, these guys kind of, like, in scale to your character, or are they giant? They're much bigger. Okay. They're enormous. They're, like, uh, they're like giants. Okay, so they do look like boss characters. Yeah. I mean, this one, I think, is the biggest one so far. Uh, he fires these homing missiles, so I have to kind of try to avoid... Like, they'll... They'll zip around the screen, and I have to time jumping away from them just as they're about to hit me. So that's, like, the challenge there. But after he's done firing his missiles, he starts firing a laser, a continuous shot. So I have to kind of hop over that beam as possible. Um, Then he gets even bigger, and he starts to run after me, right, down a corridor. And in this sequence, the goal is to blow up these barrels that are on the side of the corridor, to explode near the boss, and that knocks him down so he doesn't catch up with me. Because he can run faster than I can, I guess, because he's so big. And um, you just have to do that repeatedly. Just blow up the barrels as soon as he's close to getting, and that'll knock him down. Mm-hmm. Um, if he does manage to catch me, which he did a few times, he kills me with one shot. He does this cool, like, the camera cuts away, and he does, like, this big wind-up punch and smashes into the ground. That's it. Just kills me in one oh, shot. Wow. So it's really a pretty cool move. Hmm. Um, in the final part of this chase, though, I have to run backwards while jumping on platforms and also firing rockets at him. And dealing with the camera. And dealing with the camera. Well, the camera's kind of tracking behind me okay, so in this bad. scene. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of a straight line, but finally he collapses. And unsurprisingly, since I'm declared an outlaw by the president, I, I figure, all right, the president is wrapped up in this whole plot somehow. So the White House is the next stop. <laughs> At any point, is there a scene where he's like, Kincaid? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure there it must be. Okay. Um, so as you might imagine, the White House is pretty heavily defended, uh-huh. right? There's several barricades to get through. I have to sneak past more of those spotlights that kill me instantly. But this time, they roast me with, like, flamethrowers if I get caught. Um, there's a moat around the White House 
mm. full of like this orange fluid. Maybe it's lava. It doesn't really look like lava, but maybe it's like acid or something. Uh, but as you know, there's a path to jump over some rocks to get there. And uh, pretty much I have to like walk around the outside of the White House to get up to the roof, clearing like turrets. And there's like helicopters flying by and shooting. Uh, once I get up to the roof, uh, I, I climb inside and there are these guys that look like they're probably Secret Service agents or something. Mm-hmm. But they've got goat heads. <laughs> oh, okay. That's never a good sign. Yeah, I don't know. No, what does that mean? Well, I guess they're some kind of demons or something. Oh, okay. Because they raise their arms up and these fireballs like come f- shooting out. Um, and then as I go further into the hallways, they start to look more hellish and more demonic. More lava pits erupting out of, out of the ground. This is all happening in the White House. <laughs> Um, falling into any of those lava, you know, areas is instant death. It's not, you don't just take some damage and that's it. You know, like, that's it. You lose a life for that one. Eventually, this is, I reach a volcanic cavern where there's like rocks flying up into the air and you got to avoid them. And on the other side is a hallway that leads to the Oval Office. And this is the big finale. Okay. The president is in there and he reveals himself as the beast, as the final uh-huh. horseman. So the politician was in it. That's right. All along. No surprise. Yeah. He transforms into a giant, like, demonic minotaur looking Mm -hmm. type of guy. He proclaims, on behalf of Beelzebub, welcome to hell. You know, that's one of the things he says. Uh, Actually, he says different things because I I killed me a bunch of times and I had to restart the stage. And he says something different every time he introduces himself. Oh, okay. But well, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it, they mix it up a but little that's bit. A, that's a trend I see that I don't see anymore in games where you repeat a level and it, all the voices, everything's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. On my games, we have to repeat something over and over again. Right. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It just adds some variety because I guess they figure you're definitely going to die here a few times. So yeah, you might, right? so you might as uh-huh. well hear something yeah, different. That's good. So sometimes he opens up with eye, like laser beam eyes. Um, sometimes he's just throwing fireballs or something. Well, he, what he does is the, the laser shoots straight out, and he'll turn his head from one side of the room to the other. So you have to jump over the beam as it sweeps towards you. But it's very fast, mm-hmm. so it's pretty easy to get hit. Uh, now, after beating his first health bar, and he's got multiple health bars because he is the final boss... <laughs> Uh, he jumps up and he shatters the room and now we're in this big hellish cavern and, uh, he's got like, he's like, you know, stamping his feet and like these waves ripple out on the floor and I take damage if I get hit by any of those waves. So I have to stay, you know, aware of them and jump over them as they, they come towards me. Um, meanwhile, it's interesting, like the presidential seal, the one that's like on the floor in the oval office is still, still in the middle of the floor in this, this like hellscape. (laughs) Um, but it's a pretty tough fight overall. I'd say this is the hardest part of the game. Uh, I have to kind of jump around, avoid taking damage, trying to grab power ups, avoid like running into him because if I get too close to him, he'll start swinging with his fists and, and hit me. Um, he does jump quite a bit to try to land close to me. Uh, also there's like a ledge around the whole uh, end of the stage. So I have to avoid falling off the ledge. And, um, there's no like six, six, six anywhere <laughs> and, on the wall. No, not obviously so, mm-hmm. but pretty much what happens is like the whole floor of this platform that we're on starts to collapse more and more. Like the more damage he takes, the more damage, um, he does to the environment. So now there's less and less ground to stand on mm-hmm. as you, as he takes more damage. 
Um, so like he'll jump around and one of the platforms that I pick up like new weapons from will like tilt and fall into the lava. And so that platform now disappears. So there's like less, um, space to maneuver in. And honestly, the, the frame rate does seem to take a dip in this room. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on and the constantly shifting camera doesn't help because what happens is the camera always keeps, uh, the beast in view. Mm-hmm. So regardless of which way I'm fighting, the, uh, which way I'm running, the camera is always like tracking me, but always keeping my target in view. Okay. So I have to kind of jump and navigate like over these like gaps in the floor. But meanwhile, the camera's moving and the direction that I'm pushing in is like shifting the wrong way because <laughs> I'm trying to land on the opposite side of this gap. So overall it's, it's, it's kind of hard. You have to get used to it. Uh, but you know, needless to say, he does go down eventually, and something is revealed in the end. It's pretty confusing. It happened so suddenly, I almost missed it. Like, I'm not entirely sure. Like, I think I think the Reverend was posing as the president, and I think he was the Beast. I think. Huh. <laughs> I don't, I'm not really giving anything away by saying this, but it's because it's all so confusing. It's hard to tell what really happened. Did, did the president look like any of our current presidents? <laughs> um, I know sometimes in games they like to make them look like resemble. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he was. Ever, he wasn't like he wasn't ever named. I don't think. Um, no, he Didn't just look looked like, like Bush Senior. Or anything. He just looked like a Reagan. businessman or something. Okay. Yeah, he just looked like a generic president. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the. Some of the now naturally because this is like a Bruce Willis action movie mm-hmm. kind of a th- setting. Yeah, there's a lot of one-liners that he spouts throughout. That's the, what he's known the game. for. <laughs> so some 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 selections uh, he'll say, "Kill them all, let God sort them out." That's a, an old one, okay. right? Um, these guys need a little more lead in their diet. He'll say that as he shoots up enemies. Mm. Uh, he'll say, feel the burn, kid, when picking up a flamethrower. Relevant to today. Sure, very topical. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he'll also say, come get some. And now, isn't that Bruce Campbell's line <laughs> from Evil Dead or something? I don't know. If, did he take that line? Like, did Bruce Campbell take that line from someone? Uh, well, come get some? I feel like he said that. And I, well, Duke Nukem used it too. So, yeah. Huh. So I feel I like it's all interrelated. Yeah, it could be. Uh, now the f- interesting thing is that, that Bruce Willis was not directly involved in the making of this particular game. Like, basically, he recorded the dialogue and then kind of handed it off, you know? So, he wasn't... So, it's not like he was involved in the process of making the game. Like, basically, they brought him in, they recorded a bunch of, you know, lines from him. Mm -hmm. And Activision had tried to make the game on their own first, but for whatever reason, they couldn't pull it together. So, they ended up hiring Neversoft to do the game... So what they did is they handed over like all the lines yeah, and dialogue that's that they, what they had. Said. Hey, we got this like cassette of Bruce Willis's voice. Pretty much. Can you make a game around it? <laughs> that's kind of what happened. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, the design of the game was even different because the initial intent was that Bruce Willis was going to be your sidekick. Like you were going to be playing some other character, uh-huh. and Bruce Willis was going to be helping you along, and he was going to be you know shooting off these lines and stuff like that. So that changed because Neversoft said, oh, well, we got a lot of player feedback or, or at least in testing or something mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the players want to play as Bruce Willis. We don't, we don't want to be sidekick to Bruce Willis or the other way around. Right. You know, so that's when Bruce Willis became like the lead character for the, for the game. Uh, so I think that's what led to a lot of the dialogues sounding awkward and maybe a little out of place is because it wasn't originally recorded with the intent 
of the method that it was used in okay. for the actual final game. Uh, so I guess the game in, in general, I mean, I, th- I found it kind of challenging, but overall pretty enjoyable. Uh, definitely feels like a combination of like maybe Smash TV and Contra thrown mm-hmm. in together with just some platforming to keep it a little more challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember thinking that game was all right back then. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was a, like you said, a, a good twin stick shooter, right. but nothing that was, nothing great about it that stood out as yeah. like, wow, this is like one of my classics, you know, it's going to go on the shelf. And mm-hmm. but it was kind of thing that maybe it was a good rental or I think I played it while I was working at the store, like, you know, during any downtime, right. I would just play a couple of rounds, but mm-hmm. yeah. And as you can see from the cover art. It's a very large, prominent, like, almost anarchy-style A on the cover. Yeah, so I wanted to mention the, the cover art, because if you look at it, it looks... I mean, they, they're going for, like, a movie poster kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. But if you notice, the, the logo, it has the words Apocalypse, and in the background is, like, a scratched anarchy logo, like, yeah. scratched into the... With like, a, with, like, a cross on the top. Well, yeah, so that actually looks like the Blair Witch Project logo. Uh-huh. Have you ever seen that? That whole, like, little bit. stick figure thing? Right. So it looks like that, but with a circle around it. So I think it's kind of funny that... <laughs> I mean, this was before Blair Witch Project. Right. But, but it's very... The first time I saw it, I'm like, wait a minute, where did I see this before? And uh-huh. that's, that's kind of what it looks like. Definitely has that look. Um, and then it has Bruce Wells' mug on the cover, of course. <laughs> right. And they're, they're paying a lot of money for that, so... Uh-huh. Well, I did check on eBay to see what this okay, game was worth. what's the damage? Uh, this looks like a pretty common game. Uh, complete copies ranged between 3 and $12. So mm. it doesn't really appear to be hard to get if you wanted to check it out. Unfortunately, it was never re-released on any other yeah. format. Uh-huh. So it's only on PlayStation 1. Yeah, it's a shame because I think a lot of the what I didn't like about that game was the frame rate. Mm-hmm. It did drop, I think, right. in certain spots, um, which was pretty common in a lot of PS1 games. And, of course, like the rough textures and mm-hmm. you know, camera angles, like you said. This was in a time where they didn't figure out how to work with 3D yet, so a lot of games did not have good use of camera. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the camera was pretty much completely oh, oh. automated in this. Yeah, uh, problem. I think it would have helped if you had some level of camera control, like, yeah. I don't know, using the shoulder buttons or something else. Because, like, what would happen is, like, let's say you're running down a corridor and you run past your enemy. Yeah. Like, that enemy is now behind the camera and you can't see him. You can continue to shoot towards the screen, like, towards you, <laughs> behind you to try to hit it. Or you can just move back and try to get in sight again. But... But pretty much, you didn't have any control over that. So, um, I don't know if they tried that, and maybe it was too complicated. But I think it would have worked better in the end if they did that. Uh, some more about NeverSoft. Uh, mm-hmm. The company was founded in 1994. Their previous game to this was Skeleton Warriors. Oh, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Bad toy line. Bad game. Bad cartoon. Uh huh. Well, that was out on on PS One and Saturn. Uh-huh. Uh, so naturally, they, they were hired by Activision to do this game in, in January of 98, and it actually came out by November of that year, so a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, naturally, as you said, they did. They went on to do Tony Hawk's Pro Skater after that, and did several of those games in that series. Yeah, it was good games. Uh, by October of 99, uh, Activision acquired the studio, and it became one of their internal studios. Um their, another one of their prominent releases was the Spider-Man game on PlayStation. I thought that was a good game. Yeah, that came out in 2000. Yeah. And they did end up taking over the Guitar Hero franchise after mm-hmm. Harmonix had 
you know, Harmonix was bought by MTV Games, so now they were no longer available to work on Guitar Hero. So that's when Neversoft stepped in to okay. continue working on those games. Um, but finally, the Neversoft name was retired in 2014 when they were merged into Infinity Ward. Mm. They were working on a Call of Duty game along with Infinity Ward staff, I think, Call of Duty Ghosts. They, they contributed to that game. And then finally, they were kind of dissolved as like a standalone studio. Mm. They, were, they were merged in. So they had a pretty good run, though. I think uh, it looks like their last Tony Hawk game was Proving Ground, which I think was not well received. No, it wasn't. But neither were the ones after that, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> pretty good. All right. So you said you don't regret it. You'd play it again. Um, maybe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's good for one playthrough. Okay. I don't know if it's good for a repeated playthrough. I don't think. I was looking up some YouTube videos of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would go back to that game. Mm-hmm. I think there's other stuff to play. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if you liked um, any kind of twin stick game of that era, I'd say it's it's mm. worth a spin. Just there were say. a lot, actually, back then. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah. Well, I didn't go for twin sticks on my games this week. But I did play two games on the mobile platform. One is actually was recommended by one of our uh, friends, Frankie, from the Digital Press podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called The Counter of Death. Mm. And it's by... It's, by, uh, uh, it's, it's about a, a horrible place to buy sandwiches, right? <laughs> yeah. Where you get really rotten meat and stuff like that in it, right? You know, that's a good... Com- <laughs> it, it's close, but I wouldn't say that's exactly what okay. it is. Okay, all right, please go on. So the, the developer made this one. His name is Yoon Kim. Mm-hmm. And it's from 2016, recent release. It's a free game. So you can download and try it out right now. This, I, the best way to describe this is like a side-scrolling uh, game of Punch-Out. Okay. It's a, requires like timing and reflex. Mm-hmm. And it's called counter because you're, you're not actually punching your enemies, you're blocking. You're, you're, ca- you're blocking and then the character's automatically with punching back. If you do a successful block, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll counter-punch at that point. Uh-huh. So, uh, one of the things I like about it is that it, it's pixel-based graphics. Mm-hmm. It looks like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it looks like, an, like a Nintendo game, but um, it looks intentionally, like, low-res, you know? Mm-hmm. Very simple, like, something you would draw like a Commodore 64, like that very simple outline. But well-animated. It looks like something that's done on a modern platform. Mm-hmm. It's a vertical-based game, so I guess it's meant to play on your phone, but I played it on the iPad, so this is where it's a little strange because the you hold the phone vertically, and your game screen is done to make look like a movie. So it's like a letterbox sort of orientation, like a sixteen by nine mm-hmm. proportion. But because it's being viewed on a vertical screen, it takes up such little space. Mm-hmm. Like you have a lot of black space that you're working with, you know? Right. But and but it, it uses some of that space for your controls though, doesn't it? So the whole so the top half yeah is the game screen and the bottom half. So you can almost think of it as like a 3ds sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The bottom half of, the, of their screen would be the two controls, which would be up or down, and the up would be an upper block and lower block is the down button. Mm-hmm. So that's you know it's a very simple game. That's why I guess it's more made for like a phone, you know, to play quickly. So it, it it seemed to me like they wasted some of the space. Like I wish they would have designed 
I know they were going for like that movie look to it because the game has sort of like a film grain strobe effect as yeah. if it's like a film reel playing. Uh-huh. And I don't know, that's sort of gimmicky and I don't think that really helps the game at all. I've almost, I would have liked them to see them take advantage of the whole screen mm-hmm. and, you know, fill it up with the characters. But the view of the game is very zoomed in. So you see basically uh, the top half of your character from like the waist up, mm-hmm. maybe even closer. And you, similar to, there's a lot of influence to the old Kung Fu game on NES and mm-hmm. arcade. Right. That sort of look, where it, it'll say floor one, and a very simple background, there's almost nothing going on, and you see your character walking, and then an enemy approaches. So now you're face to face, you're always fighting one enemy at one time. Mm-hmm. And what you're, what you're doing here, like punch out, you're waiting for him to pull back, and is he going to punch up or down? Mm-hmm. And then if he's going to, you see him like pulling back to punch, and you move, you tap the up button, and then you would block the, the punch. And then if he punches low, you would press the down button and block that. And if you successfully blocked, then your character will retaliate and punch the enemy automatically. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the whole majority of this game. Now, after a couple of fights, you know, you get you fight a couple of characters, but they do change off, like, uh, there's, like, Chinese stars that get thrown at you. Shurikens. Yeah, is that what they call them? Uh-huh. And uh, you can, like, block those. I don't know how that works, because those <laughs> seem like that would get just, just... embedded into your forearm. <laughs> right. But that is, like, another element. Where he swats them away somehow. So, sort of, He's yeah. got advanced techniques, this uh, this character. Yeah, he, he does look like Bruce Lee. Right. Kind of going for that just look. Going for and every time he blocks, he makes that, like, Bruce Lee uh, karate sound. You right, know? <laughs> like yeah. Typical that we've heard over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the enemies, there's not much variety. A lot of the enemies look exactly the same. You're fighting, like, the same guy over and over again. Right. Occasionally, you'll fight... Um, uh, you know, they'll color his uniform differently or something. Now, now you do fight bosses. So after you fight a couple enemies and swat away some of these shurikens, you do fight the, a boss character. And uh, I've only gotten up to, like, three floors worth. So the first one is, like, this bald guy with, like, a wife beater. And he, re- he sort of resembles the first boss of Kung Fu mm-hmm. in the, you know, the arcade game. But, you know, all the enemies just attack with their fists. So the only really difference that makes the enemy fights from the boss fights are the, the boss has mul- and takes multiple hits, so it's not just one punch to take him down. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's usually like a couple of phases, like you would have to punch him once, then block, and then punch him, and then so like that. And then at the very final, like right before he's about to die, he flashes red, and then you get taken into this like quick time scene where it tells you like a button combination, like up, up, down, down, up, like that. And you mm-hmm. have to tap it quick enough. If you tap that in the right order in the right amount of time, then the game takes over from there. And then you watch an end sequence where the enemy will try to punch, you block, and then you go into this big flurry combo of, like, punches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the enemy goes down. And then you beat the level. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, and then it repeats. And then the boss of the second stage is, like, this... Um, heavy set like kung fu guy and i forget what the third stage i don't think i got that far to the boss of the third stage now there's a couple of elements to this game that i didn't talk about yet you have a health meter mm-hmm. and those are represented by hearts so when you start the game off you get one heart meter mm. so you're allowed to get punched once and then you die okay now 
this game requires a little bit of grinding, and I guess they do that because it is such a simple game. I guess they want you to keep playing. So, and there's another element to this game where there's like little blue flames, and the blue flames are the enemies. How many times the enemy will punch before you can punch back? Mm-hmm. So if an enemy has like three blue flames, that means he's going to do three punches. And you have to block all three, and then you'll retaliate with a punch. Gotcha. So I think the way it works is if you beat an enemy who has three blue flames, and you'll gain, you'll get those three blue. You kind of earn those as like points. Mm-hmm. And if you beat an enemy with one blue flame, you'll earn one point like that. So at the end of your run and your game's over, those blue flames that you collected will get tallied up, and and it's almost like a form of currency. Um, and it's mm-hmm. just represented by the old you know blue flame icon. So the point of that is there's a shop in the game. And in the shop, in between, like, you know, when you're done playing, you can upgrade your hearts. So you can buy, I think the first heart you can buy is, like, 50 flames. Mm -hmm. And then the third is maybe, like, 75. And then, I guess it goes in intervals. Okay. So the more you play, the more flames you earn. And then the more flames, the more hearts, you can expand your heart meter. Mm-hmm. So now, like, I'm playing now, I have four hearts I can play with. So now I can get a little further in the game mm. with four heart meters. Right. Um, they do replenish. After every level, you get one heart meter back. But um, And then you get to save, though. So when your game's over and you start over, you can still start off with the four hearts, mm-hmm. you know. But you do have to put some time into it. Okay, well, it, gives you, it gives you a goal, at least. Yeah, a little goal. And there's also outfits you can buy for your guy, mm-hmm. which don't... I didn't buy any yet, because they do require quite a bit more of, of the heart of the flames right. currency. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mess with that. So I don't know if that really enhances your... I, I can't see it making a difference. I doubt it. I think it's just it, visual. Yeah, but somebody might see a costume they really like and want to spend for it. I guess, yeah. Is just, there is that is that an in-app purchase kind of thing, where you can, you can buy those outfits with real money? So I did not see that option, but I did not try to buy something that I didn't have enough. Or you could buy flames for, for, for currency? I did not see that as an option. Okay. But I would... I would think that will be added if it's not in there. <laughs> right. They'd be silly not to. I, I, I did look at a bit of the game, and I, I noticed one of the outfits is, like, the the yellow Bruce Lee outfit with, yes. the, with the black stripes yeah, on the shoulders. Yeah, I thought that looked familiar. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, probably a couple of other ones that would be mm-hmm. appropriate for this kind of game. And then now, that, now, I mentioned it was a free game, mm-hmm. so they do mean to make money. So right. there is, if you want to continue when you die, there is an option to watch a video ad mm-hmm. for like 30 seconds. Right. And then you can continue from there and it refills your health. Mm-hmm. Also, you can buy uh, a no ad option, which I think is a dollar. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take away any ads at all. So I guess I guess you can continue once. Right. Um, and then that's it. So, you know, oh, and there's a chiptune soundtrack <laughs> to keep in theme of the pixels mm-hmm. and stuff. Right. It's okay. It's a little simple. I'm not into... I like Punch-Out, but I don't like those sort of reflex timing games. It gets me very anxious and nervous when I play them. <laughs> right. You know, like when you have to fight Mike Tyson, you really have no room for any mistakes or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's a little stressful, I find, these games. But it's it's all right. It's fun to play with a little bit. Yeah. Uh, another game I played, and keeping this retro sort of style theme, this one's called Super Arc Light. And this is a, a, it was developed by Recode from 2016. It was published by uh, Channel 4 in the UK. Hmm. 
this is a well-known sort of like the NBC, I guess, of you know America. Yeah. Um, now they have this video game line that I didn't know about. It's called Games uh, All Four Games. It's called, and I guess it's a subsidiary of Channel Four. Um, different from the Channel Four in America, of course. <laughs> right. Uh, this is also on iOS and Android, and I think it is now greenlit for Steam. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird game. This one is a tube shooter, mm-hmm. and it's similar to like I was talking about, like circle games last week. Uh, you know, you're in that circle sort of view, very similar to like Tempest or okay. Gyrus. Right. But instead of being on the outer portion of the tube, where like the enemies are coming from the inner towards you, you're on the inner side, and the enemies are coming from the outer portion of the screen. Okay, coming, yeah, coming inwards. But it's not, um, it's not like uh, lanes of enemies like like in Tempest. It's kind of more open, right? It's more open, like a gyrus, where mm-hmm. ships will sort of spawn, and then they'll the ships will have different attack patterns. Either like they'll rotate around you, or they'll just appear like in a swarm. And then it'll sort of, like, float a little bit, and you have to try to aim and shoot them. Mm-hmm. Or it could be... There's different formations that the ships will take. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game, I should mention that it has a vector line look to it, mm-hmm. uh, similar to, like, a Tempest or, you know, a game from that generation. Um, the, the problem I have with this is the controls and the way this controls. And so your ship is a little ball on this, like, ring in the center, and... Rather than, like, moving left and right and, you know, shoot with another button, the ship constantly moves. It's auto-moving. So it constantly is, like, rotating Mm -hmm. around the circle. So to shoot, you have to hold down on the screen. And when you hold down the screen, the ship will slow down. It doesn't stop. It slows down. And it'll shoot out this, like, stream of bullets. Right. When you let go of the screen, the ship will stop shooting, but it reverses direction. Mm. And now it's, like, clockwise. Okay. So when you want to shoot, you got to hold it down, and then the ship will slow down and shoot. And then when you let go, it now it goes clockwise. It'll reverse again. Mm-hmm. And that's how this game plays. Mm. So when you have enemies, say there's like a swarm of enemies, and they're on all four quadrants of like this circle, right? And they're coming towards you. You have to wait for your ball to get there. You can't like speed up the movement of your ball. And then shoot. Hopefully you're in line with it, because if not... When you let go, it's going to reverse the opposite direction. Um, and you have to kind of like quickly tap until you get it. Even. So it's a little bit tricky. And I I don't know. I'm not too crazy about it. I wish there was an option to give you like traditional controls of like moving left and right mm-hmm. and shoot. Uh, so, that probably so, would have made the game much easier. But. So no no controller option then? No. that's You're stuck with that. That's it. Uh-huh. Okay. Um that said, they do give you some things to make it a little bit easier. There's power-ups you get. When you start the game, you start with just the standard weapon. But the more you play, I guess also, at, like the game I just talked about, as an incentive for you to keep playing this game, uh, you'll get like points at the end. And at the, those points will... Um, and they don't really tell you how this works, but the more you play, it'll say like, oh, you just unlocked, you know, I guess because your point total... You have unlocked a new weapon, and then that new weapon will be added to the game. So next time you play, you'll now have the opportunity to earn, like, two types of weapons. Mm-hmm. Like, occasionally, like um, like a gyrus, there's, like, that little, like, capsule that'll show up, and if you shoot it, you unlock that weapon. Uh-huh. And it's, like, a timed-based weapon, you know, you get it for, like, ten seconds or something. So the more weapons you earn, those, go, those will get added into the game, and then they'll float by sometimes. And if you shoot them, 
you get that weapon. So there's the weapons are weird. Like some of them are like twin shot. One is a spread. Um, what was it? There's one that's like a weird weird one where it'll shoot like an arc around the circle. Mm-hmm. So if like I guess if the enemies are near you, it'll sort of like circle around the bullets and shoot them. Um, there's one that shoots like in a zigzag pattern. And there's, like, a bunch of them. And then they, there's, like, different tiers of them. So as soon as you unlock, like, the initial, like, four or six weapons, then you'll get, like, version two of those weapons. Mm. And I think, like, in the example of the twin shot, the version two of that will mirror the shot. So if you're shooting it in front of you, the the twin shot will be behind you, too. So it'll shoot, like, in both directions. Nice. Which helps out. Um, but you do have to invest time <laughs> to unlock these mm-hmm. weapons. Um, you know, and earn points and play some more. So, like, initially I can only get, you know, stage two or something, but now I can do... I don't know I don't know if it's done by stages, but as you play, it, it's not really automated. Oh, at least I don't think it's randomly generated, but it seems like the attack patterns come at around the same time. So, I don't know. Um, I thought I was doing pretty well, and then I looked at Game Center to see what my score was, and I'm, like, ranked 10,000, I think. <laughs> So, I guess I'm really? not that good at this game. Hmm. Well, uh, you can never trust those scores too much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I look, though, but even, like, the top 100, those scores were, like, kind of manageable. Like, I guess if I keep playing, I could probably get that far. Mm-hmm. There, There is a point where I, I encountered a boss, and it's sort, it's sort of a boss. It was this huge ship, um, I would say a good eight times larger than any other enemy you've ever fight, fought in the game. Mm-hmm. And he sort of just floats really slow. And he kind of just comes towards... See, the thing is, and I should have mentioned this from the beginning, the enemies, when they come out, they they turn red usually, and then they charge into the center. And you have to stop. So you have a little bit of time before they turn red and charge you, but that sort of... It gives you like sort of a timer on how fast you can beat these enemies. You can't just take your time. Mm-hmm. So the ship is slowly coming towards you in addition to the regular like waves of ships that come out. And then the ships are like triangles and they're very old geometric shapes. But um, it takes a lot of shots to hit this. So in addition to like constantly shooting sort of because you can't sit still and shoot, you know, your ship is slowly moving. You have to kind of keep readjusting your yourself. Um, you have to also knock out the other ships, too. Mm. And um, I did that, I think, once. This the first time I died, because I didn't kill it fast enough. The second time, I was able to defeat it. Nothing happened other than points, but um, that's something I noticed. And other than that, that's that's the game. Um, it's a nice arcade feel. Uh, the visuals are cool. It's a little like like a, like those old Vetrex... Um, I guess, what do you call those? Vector-style games. Mm-hmm. has some nice, like, pulsating yeah. lines, lines and stuff going across the screen. I would have wished they added a glow to it to give it that more, like, oscilloscope kind of look, whatever you would call that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's worth checking out if you're into those type of retro-style games like that, if you're into, like, Tempest or Gyrus. Right, as long as you can get a handle on the controls yeah that's the only thing that's a big turnoff. the controls really are not good so this is one of those cases where the touch controls are really are a hindrance and maybe not the best choice for this game i um i'm fine with the touch controls i just don't like that implementation yeah well well i guess they a lot of these shooters do like because you don't have that level of precise control sometimes yeah they do something like, you know, move you automatically or shoot continuously That's or something true. like that. That's true. Kind of reducing 
what you actually control down to like one element. Yeah. You know, so I guess that's the issue. That's possible. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a whole lot of info on either of these two games I talked about. I, they don't have websites or, or like in the case of, of this game, um, because it is connected to channel four, it, they do have their own website, but it's almost, it's almost like an ad as if like, here's our portfolio of games uh-huh. and we you know we can create a game for you sort of thing, <laughs> but not much about like what, you know, other than a brief description, not I'm much surprised. more about the game. Uh, the green, I'm, I'm more curious about the steam version that is still, I don't know how far they are into it. Mm-hmm. If they're going to keep this control scheme or change it up. The game was only $2 when I bought it. Uh, I might've actually got it even for free on a sale. I don't remember now. Mm-hmm. So it's a small investment, you know, into it. Super arc light, huh? Super arc light, yes. Mm. Okay. Yep. Nice. And and that's it. <laughs> well, maybe you can tell us about some pickups, perhaps. Yeah, this this is a, a pickup. This has um, been waiting a long time for this. Yeah. So it's exciting. Let, we'll go back into the time machine. <laughs> okay. And we'll turn it on and back. Well, we'll go back to PAX 2016. Mm-hmm. There's a company called Retrobit. Yeah. Right? And Who are they, them? Th- we talked about them. They were releasing, or they're going to release, this new console that's going to have, I think, 60 like arcade games in it that's going to plug and play into your TV. Mm-hmm. So uh, they ne- made this announcement, and then they also had a contest to celebrate like this console, and then also their like, anniversary or something like that. So the contest was... Uh, simple. All you had to do was like fill out a form, put your name in, um, and then every day they were gonna every day of E3 they were gonna take a drawing for mm-hmm. like um, like a swag bag sort of thing mm-hmm. for the company. So day one, I put my name in and I won. <laughs> day and one. Day one. Yeah. Like day two happened and it's like oh let's announce our winner and it was me. So nice. Yeah. So uh, I haven't heard anything for, since then. <laughs> So now we go back to like the present day, and it's been two two months, right? Since E three, uh, almost, almost. almost yeah. yeah, so I didn't hear anything. Um, and you know, initially they did ask me like my address and stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't press the issue. I figured they'll get around to it. Right. So I finally got the items that they sent me. Okay, and uh, I'll just talk about it, and I'll, and I'll put a picture up on the our Facebook page. So uh, I didn't actually look at it until right now, but. Uh, I kind of knew it was going to be in there. So it's a... Uh, it's, it's all promotional stuff for the sure, for for company. Yeah. So Retrobit, uh, a little keychain? Like a can opener? Can opener keychain. Yeah. And uh, a Retrobit lanyard, I for, believe. Right, for your badging needs. For, yeah. If you need to wear a badge, you can use that. Yeah. This is a pair of 8-bit glasses. Pixel, pixelized, they right. glasses. Yeah, yeah, Which is funny, I already have these. You already have them, but, but do, this, do these, you have this color? I do have, yeah, this is the red and black color. Oh, okay. I have, but mine don't say retro bit on mm. it. So, I, I probably could give these away to someone if they want A them. rare variant. Yeah, perhaps. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I love those. Uh-huh. Uh, another retro bit keychain. This one is just like a fancy a silicone logo of theirs. It's a little bendy. Yeah. yeah. Kind of rubberized. A sticker for the Retrobit Generations console that has this monkey character. Who is this guy from? Yeah, that looks like uh, you know, like kind of uh, the Monkey King or the Journey West. Yeah, uh, type it is, of character. It's from a game. I'm not sure which mm-hmm. game that's from. 
I was hoping it was going to be Sir Arthur from Ghosts and Goblins. Okay. I got the least interesting character that I've ever right. wanted. Right, right. Unfortunately. Yeah, there was definitely a game, several games that used this... Te- I mean, it's based on a Chinese myth, so they've been yeah. recycled this character many times. Yeah, there, there was at least one game on NES that I played that had that guy yeah. in it. Yeah, definitely. So, unfortunately, I'm not too thrilled about that one. <laughs> um, another sticker that says Retro Rules, and it has uh, the pixel Donkey Kong from the Donkey Kong arcade game. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Which is kind of neat. Yeah, I like this one. And then there's another sticker that says, I can use a mushroom right now. <laughs> and it's in the shape of a mushroom, and it has a pixel Super Mario Brothers mushroom mm-hmm. icon on it. And it says Retrobit. And finally, there is one more sticker, and this is of the Retrobit logo. Right. And it has a web address and more promotional stuff. Mm. And then this is, I thought, one of the coolest things that's in there. It's a little gold coin. Not solid gold, of course. Yeah, it's like a token. <laughs> a token, Right. And it says collectible arcade token. And it says dig that box. It has a little space invader mm-hmm. on there, pixel space invader. I think we got some of these before. Yeah, we did from the National Video Game Museum. Uh, right? Maybe, or I think actually even from Classic Gaming Expo. Oh, what did you know? Because really, from CGE, yeah. from Retrobit. From Dig That Box, I think oh, they, okay. they were giving out coins. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I think there's but some I, kind of I, news site. I do site. have one from the museum, too. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought this was cool. I like these little coin things. Okay, cool. And then finally, I should already said finally, but a t-shirt was in there, mm-hmm. which I think is in my size. Yeah, okay, it is. And I didn't look at this yet, but this one's pretty cool. This is... It is a white t-shirt, and it says Super Retro Brothers, and this company is known for their... They make these, like, Famiclone, sort of, like, retro-inspired cartridge Mm -hmm. systems. They're, like, knockoff Nintendos. And it has, like, little pixel characters of these guys in, like, a a sort of monochrome-ish sort of look to it. Uh... Yeah, like, how do you feel about this? It's, it's made it, to look like the old black box NES covers. It's in that layout style, yeah. and it's definitely yeah, like it's a like white shirt. it's like pixel like sort of cartoon versions of of those consoles. Yeah, as characters. <laughs> it's the official retro bit seal of quality on uh-huh. it, and it has a big go retro thing on the back. I don't, I don't know if I'd wear this out. It's very busy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of uh, logos and placement things. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you look a little bit like a like a stock car or something. Yeah, like a I, don't, racing car. I don't know. This might just go into the archives. Mm-hmm. But maybe 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 to like a, a, a Nava meetup we do. It's neat though. I like yeah. the, I like the design of the it's, it's of okay. the characters. Yeah, it's all right. Nice. And, and then also a bag that it came in that has more of their logos. One of those like drawstring like yeah. knapsack type of bags. Yeah. <gasps> Uh, it says eat, see, sleep, play, and the play is an NES controller. Right, naturally. And the eating, eating is a, I guess, fast food. It's like a hamburger, like, like a burger and a soda. <laughs> okay. Sleeping is just sleeping. Yeah. It's just a bad icon. So okay, it's okay. It was free. You know, uh, I don't need any of this stuff really, but I guess. But it's know, nice to win. It's nice to win things. <laughs> it would have been nicer if it was one of those little consoles. Right. Plug and play consoles that they sell. Oh, but then then you'd have to have cartridges to plug into it. That's true, but <laughs> cartridges are easy to find. Right. I, I still have a few. Mm-hmm. But, all right. 
right, so that's my little... Very nice. Pick up and put down. Cool. Yeah. Finally got some swag to show off. Yeah. I like that. Finally. <laughs> that's my s- third contest I won this year. Facebook you- contest. Do those Facebook contests. I know people like are well. Some of them are scams, so don't don't always do them. Yeah, well. definitely stay away from a lot of them. But if it's too good to be true, don't do them. But these like small little contests, like always enter them because I won three already. Mm-hmm. I won the E three tickets. Yeah, I won this thing, and then what was the other thing I won? I won the little plush figure for Mon- Monument Valley. That yeah, I talked yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Pretty cool, and I've won other ones in the past, but. Yeah, I won I the remember. Pac-Man one. Remember, I won you, the joystick. You've got an Atari t-shirts. Yeah. You've got a lot of stuff. I tried the Atari t-shirt. So, yeah. Good at this. Uh-huh. You're good at putting your name in and then winning something. I'm, I'm selling I'm selling my email address, basically, <laughs> to marketers. Not so too bad. It's good to have a fake email address, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just for, you know... Well, I don't do the contests that are, like, apps on Facebook that say, we're you know, you allow this to, like look at your public profile and take your address. I don't do those. I do the ones that are on, like, external websites that say enter your email or something. Okay. Yeah. So I, I guess you have a little more control. I'm, I'm a little bit more selective, but mm-hmm. the ones I choose seem to work. And yet you still win. <laughs> I still win, but I'm not winning, like, you know... Right, right. Anything. I'm not winning, like, a car or... We'll see. That, that karma will come around eventually. Yeah, like the ones where you see the guy standing in front of a stack of, like... 25 PlayStation 4s. Oh, well, that's... And it says, we have too many PlayStation 4s in our warehouse. <laughs> you know, we're giving one away today. That's nonsense. And you don't buy those? No. But it's from the official PlayStation.com website. That's what it says on Facebook. It, uh, <laughs> always probably starts with like a zero. Zero, yeah. Or something. Yeah, who knows? Those are easy to spot. <laughs> Apparently not, because my friends on my Facebook share those... Because like they, fig- once they or twice figure, a week, like, I see that they figure. Well, why not? I mean, if it's a scam, then it's a you know, like I nothing so. will happen. I guess they figure. Guess. But all they're doing is spreading <laughs> a, a useless message. <laughs> Truth. All right. Well, I guess we can uh, dig into some feedback that we've gotten. Got a bit, a bit of a backlog. But yeah, we'll try to we, get we didn't it. get time to last week, so let's let's dig in. All right. Well, where do we start? I guess we can talk about uh, your your mention of Karate Champ. Right. Episode 91. Mm-hmm. We had a uh, Greg Izzy of the Digital Press Podcast. He said, Karate Champ, terrible on any platform. He's very serious about this. <laughs> he said, by the time my age group saw it on the NES, it was pretty outdated. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. Yeah. I think when it came out on NES... Like a lot of other, like I mentioned, like Galaga and Qbert and stuff on that came out on the NES, those were pretty outdated at the time. City Connection came out on the NES, Spy Hunter, and I wasn't really interested, even though I love the arcade classics, I wasn't interested in those. Um, as far as Karate Champ being terrible on any platform, it's not great on NES. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is it a great, I hated the game when I was younger, I think I've said that also when we talked about it. Um, I've grown to like it. I think there's an inter- there's something interesting about the controls. It's a dual stick. Right. Well, I got to say, that's, that's a dual stick game that I'm not that into. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about it. I don't know. I, I find it interesting. I don't think it's like a, a, a great, like a, it's a good game. I, I wouldn't say it's like spectacular or anything, but there's mm-hmm. something about it that for me, I, I go back to every so often. I don't know why. Right. So, I'll, I'll, yeah. Uh, now... 
Greg Paulander from uh, the SNES podcast. The SNES podcast. Yeah, yeah. He also had a comment about this. He said, well, to weigh in on this week's episode, I admit I never had much fun with Karate Champ either. I found the game too difficult and too frustrating, although my first exposure to the game was also on the NES. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is a common probably theme. <laughs> I never had this experience, so I guess I didn't have this problem. It is a difficult and frustrating game. I, I, I've only known the arcade game, and even that I've had very limited exposure to. I've yeah. only seen it. Maybe in recent times. It wasn't... I don't remember it being a super common game. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It yeah. was just not that appealing to me. Uh-huh. But I guess some people do credit it for sort of kicking off the fighting game genre in some sense. You think so? Yeah. A little bit. I mean, it's probably one of the first examples of just that one-on-one fighting style. Yeah, I'd have to look into that. I wonder. Because that is... Yeah, it's a pretty early on game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, well... What do you got? Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, also related to episode 91, uh, Greg Pollander comments, uh, as far as Aliens goes, when I played Alien 3, mm. uh, he says, I'm also a big fan of the franchise, but in my humble opinion, most of the video games suck, which it could be true. <laughs> he mentions uh, several games uh, for the C64, as well as uh, some arcade games. Unfortunately, I'm not familiar with, with these games. I don't really know the C64 library too well. Yeah, I know. That's one of my weaknesses. I think, I think the only C64 games I know were games that were also available on the Atari computers, because that's yes. what I had in that, in that Agree, period. But uh, definitely there were more for the for the 64, and I wouldn't mind checking some of these out. I would like to check those out. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up. He mentioned uh, Alien for the C64 did a great job of capturing the feel and tension of the original movie. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, Aliens for the C64 by Activision uh, was a bunch of mini-games thrown together following the movie plot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Generally, I now you you did ask me like had I ever ever played any other aliens related games yeah. and I do remember some uh, aliens games for the PC. I'm pretty sure it was the one by Rebellion, which might have been an AVP game actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but actual aliens games proper, I don't think I really played too many of them. He also mentions Alien Isolation well, by, by Sega. Yeah, you didn't play Alien on. The Atari 2600? Um, it's like Pac-Man? <laughs> yeah, it's basically Pac-Man. I don't think I played that one I love that, that game, too much. but I love Pac-Man, so... It's yeah. 20th Century Fox put that one out. That was that was just not a game I played at the time. Yeah, I could see people not liking that. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I played it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's not particularly scary. <laughs> no. no. I don't think it has much to do with aliens at all. I think the alien follows you. That's about it. But it looks right. like a crab or something. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We, we, well, I was going to say, like, for, as far as Alien Isolation goes, he calls it a great survival horror. Yeah, always tense. Yeah, good. You, play, you didn't play that one? I have it. Okay. It's in my Steam stack, <laughs> but I haven't gotten to it yet. The Steam stack. Yeah. Uh, he also mentions, I recall having fun with Alien Trilogy for the PlayStation when it came out, but no clue how it holds up today. That is actually in my list of PlayStation games I'd like to try. Alien Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Don't think i've played that one yeah it's pretty much another action shooter i think it's first person i gotta check that out Mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah uh, arcade aliens good alien predator on jaguar not so much 
A lot of people seem to really like that. I game. know a lot of people like that one. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't had any experience with it. Pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Easy also commented on Alien, saying the game featured machine guns, which the film did not. So this is another case where it didn't follow the film that closely. Uh-huh. All okay. guns were banned on the prison colony. So I forgot all about that. Yeah, no guns a lot. <laughs> Uh, Greg also commented... So how did they beat the alien? Did it get shot, sucked out of a ship or something? Uh... How do you beat it with no guns? Gee, I don't know. I don't remember how okay. it went. Yeah. That's not my favorite movie of of the the four of them. I'd have to be reminded. I've, I've seen it maybe once or twice, that's it. I've only seen it once in passing. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Mm. But Greg Izzy also commented on episode 90... Where we talked about Ghostbusters, mm. the video game. He mentions, since I haven't played the Ghostbusters game myself yet, I kind of had to skip most of the episode. And I, I understand that. I, I, I think during our discussion, we tried not to give away a lot of the major plot points too much. I think we focused more on kind of the mechanics and the experience of, of the levels and, and so on. Yeah. Kind of just how the game played rather than what happens in the game a uh-huh. whole lot. But but it's still nonetheless I can I can understand if if you want to play the game yourself maybe uh, not <laughs> listening too much to the stuff we have to say about it so come back when you've played it I suppose <laughs> uh, he also mentions I think the way they put the unused script pieces and new pieces together was very cool and appropriate so I guess that's why there were a lot of things in the game that had happened in. In previous Ghostbusters uh, movies, they kind of incorporated that into the plot of this game mm. a bit. Uh, he does say one lament is that Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis weren't involved for various reasons. Personally, I would have rather they let you play as one of the four original characters. Uh, I could see that too. Yeah, I would have liked that. It did. It did feel a little crowded with like five Ghostbusters <laughs> yeah. running around. So because it was the four it's characters it. plus your original character. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the other characters, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I expressed it during that episode that I, I, I would have rather that you get some original stuff in the game, which there was plenty of, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Sigourney Weaver, I, I guess her absence was kind of unexplained in the second Ghostbusters movie. And then Rick Moranis was, was there, but he really didn't, didn't do a whole lot. Yeah. So I don't know. He was kind of underused. For the, for the second film. So I guess maybe by the third one, I don't know if they would have had any, really anything left for him to do. <laughs> but, yeah, good points. Uh, actually, uh, Greg Hollander also commented on the Ghostbusters game. He says, I have this game in my Steam library. Um, listening to you guys talk about it, bumped it up the list a bit. So I guess Greg has a similar problem as most Steam users, where there's just a huge backlog of games yeah, to get to. and The Steam stack. <laughs> the Steam stack. It continues to grow. Uh, Greg Pollander also commented on another topic that we covered in that episode, mm-hmm. meaning the NES Classic Edition console. Oh, the he says, I love almost everything about it since the NES was my favorite all-time system. This will be a day one purchase for me. If my- you can find it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, hopefully there'll be plenty available because I think they do stand to make a good, I think sell, so. sell a good yeah, number of them. I think so they're, they're going to... Definitely get those out mm-hmm. there. Plus, you can pre-order now on Best Buy's website and Amazon. I think those pages are for us. I think all three are taking pre-orders, so mm-hmm. you're almost guaranteed to get one. Yeah, Greg also goes on to say, 
Um, I'm really surprised that Nintendo decided to do this finally, but along with their first mobile game, it seems like Nintendo is finally joining the 21st century. Uh, I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess they are a little slow to learn sometimes, but at least they're making their they're, they're making their games available mm-hmm. in some form. Uh, it's a great list of games, he says. All classic and very popular. HDMI connection ensures a great picture. A classic controller. Although I would have preferred the dog bone style for comfort. Uh, I, although I understand why they went with the original design. I think it is more about nostalgia in this, yes. at this point. They do 100%. want to capture that, that look and feel of the original system. No one is nostalgia over dog bone controllers. <laughs> except for like retro collectors. Uh-huh. Sure. And he also adds, the instant save states sound very promising. So yeah, I think I think this is a good step up considering what other... Uh, like consoles might have been available. Mm. I think you'd have to go all the way to like a Retron 5 or something to get some of these features. And even then, it's still kind of unofficial emulation, whereas you know these games are going to work coming from these Nintendo. These games will all have the Nintendo seal of quality, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, he does mention this isn't for collectors, as you pointed out. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the millions of people who had an NES growing up and will see one in the stores and buy it as an impulse buy. I'm glad he gets it because I feel like reading some of the comments on like IGN and other places, this has been like spread all over the place, mm-hmm. that it seems like not everyone gets it, like who this is marketed for. And I mean, I think even on Best Buy, it already has like three stars i think because there's so many negative comments about it i'm not even sure why they allow you to leave a comment on an item that's not mm-hmm. available yet but it's just i don't know people's this is uh, not this is not like we said it's not for us like yeah I, all kinds of comments like yeah it should take cartridges and things right. like that it's, you know naturally the system is, this is smaller than a cartridge nintendo <laughs> always thought too it was it's smaller than a cartridge yeah, yeah. So even if they wanted to, what if it? Yeah, I don't know if they realize how small it is. It's really tiny. Yeah, it's the size of the controller. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, well, so Greg Gizzi also had some comments about the NES Classic. He says it's a very neat thing for Nintendo to release. What you see nowadays on eBay and in a few classic game stores is that old systems are in demand, but the supply has really dried up quite a bit. Um, I guess that's true. I don't really... Old systems? Well, maybe maybe NES in specific. Because all these hoarders, that's why. They're buying like eight consoles, you know, in case this one breaks, and then <laughs> you can't find them anywhere. Yeah, I I guess we're still in that, that Nintendo hot phase right now where just anything NES is really yeah. um, overvalued and undersupplied. Exactly. And, and people really are hungry to get more, so I guess it's good timing to mm-hmm. put something like yeah, this out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he does say, really wish the Genesis got this kind of treatment instead of the dumb design at games came up with. Um, I, I'm surprised. I mean, at games has been releasing that Genesis clone of various types for quite a while now, like yeah. at least five years. Oh yeah. Uh, and they've always been kind of of middling quality. Uh, some things just weren't up to snuff in terms of really accurately representing the games. Um, I think by now they've had enough time to really reduce, you know, like, like release something that was really indicative of the original console. Yeah, I mean, up till now they've just been adding more games or one, like, standout game, like changing one game for the, for the machine. Much like the Atari Flashback. They yeah. just kind of iterate on it's the like, same well, design. like, well, here's the same 60 games, but six, game 61 is, like, a game you haven't seen yet, like Mortal Kombat or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's the system seller. 
but they got to do better now. <laughs> so I think this this NES Classic has really um, sort of set a new template now. So at games, take note: your next Genesis clone should look like a Genesis. Yeah, it should look like a Genesis. It should have HDMI output, and it should have accurate emulation. It should no excuses of a core set of representative Genesis games. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, their game mix has been sort of half original Genesis games, and then. Half like weird homebrew knockoff yeah. style games that nobody solitaire and like weird that really nobody's asking for. No. <laughs> it's just for them to say, oh, there's 80 games in the box, and, mm-hmm. but really four of them, 40 of them, the only ones you'll know. So, what would you rather have though? Would you rather have the Nintendo plug and play style that's like more modernized and official looking, right? But no cartridge slot, or would you rather have the cartridge slot on the but poor emulation and chock full of games that maybe you never really cared about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think the NES Classic approach is, is the way to I go. I agree with you. I would like to see a mini Sega Genesis. Maybe even with the headphone jack. That would be pretty rad if they can do that. Mm-hmm. But also include third-party games too and not just Sega. I don't know if they can pull that off, but I wouldn't mind like Cool Spot on there or Aladdin or, you know, some, those are probably like impossible to license, but... There's just so many good games that were not from Sega also. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, there's totally a lot of that stuff. That would be super could... cool. So the rumor is there is going to be a hardware change to the next year's uh, Sega Genesis machine. Mm-hmm. So hold out. Next year there's going to be some changes. That's <laughs> that's the rumor mill. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess there's been... I suppose basically a lot of these systems they use like some kind of system on a chip design mm-hmm. where basically they're not really doing emulation they're just doing kind of like um, an approximation of the original hardware where yeah. that's and that's why it's not completely accurate whereas the approach that Nintendo is taking with this NES Classic it's it like I think we talked about it a little bit it's safe to assume they're using some you know variant of their virtual console style approach that they've used that on the Wii. That would make the most sense, only because of the controller ports on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they already have that in place. They could just kind of retrofit it into the system and, mm-hmm. and you know, come up with a solution. Whereas, you know, the At Games approach, maybe they need to go a little more software emulation-based, and I think they'd be more accurate if they did that, because this hardware is inherently going to be different than yeah. what was in the original systems, and therefore it's not going to be on target. So I think I think technology's caught up to the point where you can do a thirty dollar emulation of one of these old consoles and it's and it's accurate. It's like good enough that, yeah. that you know you, you can say this is authentic. You know. To be fair, also uh, at games is not Nintendo, so mm-hmm. they don't have the marketing or right publishing power to maybe acquire the patents to maybe mm-hmm. like the Genesis design or you know who knows what kind of licensing nightmare that is. Well, I'd say and. And also, they sell their machines for quite a bit less. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, on a sale near Black Friday, you can pick them up for like fifteen dollars. Right, those right. Those are totally mass market, yeah. like sold in drugstores kind of a thing. You know, you you can keep, get them pretty cheap. But I think I think a lot of that is on Sega too. I think Sega needs to be like a little more involved with I design. Agree. Yeah. And the sign off on on what these systems <laughs> include. Like I think it's I think they're very hands off. They're basically like just send us a check to use the Sega Genesis name, mm-hmm. and you can do whatever you want. And yeah, here's th- our sixty game library. And go nuts. <laughs> and I think I think yeah, they need to be a little more on top of it, and you know sign off. And and I I, I guess they don't 
I guess they don't mind the approach it takes right at the moment. But, yeah. I, but I think if they want to give something back to their fans that want something more authentic, they mm-hmm. need to they need to be a little more on top of things. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like kicking themselves right now because mm-hmm. that would have been perfect if they had that ready to go. Yeah, maybe. But who predicted Nintendo would have a plug and play? <laughs> I think I did a couple of years ago, but can't prove anything. You're right. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for writing in. We've had quite a bit of feedback to go through, but I yeah. really appreciate listening and commenting. So please visit us on Facebook. Please check it, leave us feedback at obbfeedback at gmail.com. Please check out the SNES podcast that Greg Pollander does. Please check out the Digital Press podcast as well. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>